the field, people will come. And it doesn't happen, you have to look at how you're doing business. Hello, welcome to an all new episode of White Sox Business. It's a White Sox podcast that's being torn apart at the seams by two men with extremely different views in a divisive time. Speaking, of course, about White Sox prospect Nick Madrigal. I am one of those two men, Tom Fernelli, and with me today is Nick Madrigal's greatest defender, the Athletics White Sox reporter James Fegan. James, were you a little hurt to discover that Dallas Keuchel spent $25,000 on a team dinner in Arizona and you weren't invited? I mean, it does sound like every single person was invited. So, yeah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll have to smooth it out when I return to Arizona uh, tomorrow. Um I, I ex- at least expect a doggy bag from Fleming's. Um, maybe <laughs> some leftover bread from the table. I, I think mm, that'd be only right. Bread. Yeah. So you're, so you're going back to Arizona tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday. So when we say tomorrow, we mean Thursday, which is when you're listening to it. So as you're listening to this, I mean, Cam James has been fired on the plane. Or are they making right you drive? Uh, driving. Uh, yeah, you know those little push carts on the rails? Uh-huh. Yeah. When I'm, so uh, I'm how long are you going else. back to Arizona for? Uh, two weeks-ish. Two weeks. So you were there for what, like 10 days originally? Uh, I was there from the 10th to the 25th. So that's, that's two weeks. That's more than 10 days. So you were there for two weeks. You come home for a couple weeks, and then you're going back out for two weeks. As my wife would quickly point out, I was home for barely over a week. A single uh, weekend. It, was the, it probably felt like two weeks to her, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, bef- no, no jokes about marital discord. Just <laughs> grunt of acknowledgement. <laughs> Ton of sex. <laughs> Cam, this is a family podcast. Uh, so yeah, we're here today. We're recording on Wednesday. So some of the things, hopefully, nobody gets seriously injured between our recording this now and when you're listening to it. But you know, we'll. I think a good I, place I've been told to... injury stories don't do that well. So, you know, go ahead and break something. Who cares? It really doesn't matter for our numbers. <laughs> so is that what you're going to tell the players when you see them in Arizona is that your health means nothing to me? Yeah. I'm going to be like, Tim, that story when you sprained your ankle in Boston, I was there on hand. It did nothing. It was a miss by our, our, our metrics. Do better. Maybe be stronger. I don't know. Just a hint. Uh well, I think we'll start today's episode talking about somebody who we didn't mention in our last episode this week, our first real spring training episode, who maybe we probably should have talked about. I did mention him. You asked me well, who was my surprise, under-the-radar performer, and I said, <laughs> little-known prospect, not from this country, maybe people overlook him, Luis Robert. Yes, Luis Robert, is. Uh, he's, he's had a pretty big spring. I mean, first of all, he got paid. So that's cool. That's good for him. He got paid again, really. And that, he that has, happened in the winter, like right now, which is also still the winter. It's not. It's like what forty something degrees, man. It's. It's like this is it's this not, is Chicago summer. It's not the spring equinox yet. I literally, I've been taking off winter training. With we talked about it with Frankie's knee surgery. I have had to like help her go out to the backyard when she's got to you know go use the bathroom instead of just letting her go on her own. And it's been so warm the last couple of days that I'm just going in my t-shirt and you know, like my, my my jeans. I'm not even wearing coats, man. It's it's summer now, as far as I'm concerned. It is no longer in the twenties. Temperatures are reaching the forties. It's it's time to bust out the shorts. Uh I am still walking around in the one pair of fitted jogger pants that 
that fits my new lean body. Ooh, (laughs) tell me more about your new lean body, James. Uh, no, uh, that, that's behind the paywall, and I don't, I, I don't think we are <laughs> no, anymore. That'll be our behind the paywall episode. James describes his body. James describes <laughs> tonic sex his nutrition <laughs> regimen. Speaking of lean bodies, let's get back to Lou Bob. Uh, he's having, you know, a a spring so far that is very Lou Bobish, based on what we saw from him in the minors last year. He doesn't seem to be having any real rough adjustment time. So far, as we record this, he's had what? Let's see. How many played appearances, James? you got to tell me if this is a good enough sample size to determine whether he's awesome. He's had 17 I'm, I'm played I'm still reeling from okay. Lou Bobbish. We have to deal with you Lou sticking Bob-ish? to Lou Bob, and then now we have to it's – an, it's an adjective now? Good Lord. Why, why does Lou Bob bother so many people? Because it's so generic. It's like a more charming version of this like generic formula. As like, opposed to naming him after work. a Marvel character? Yeah, the origin <laughs> story did generic? kind of... The, the origin story of that nickname did deflate it for me just a bit. Yeah. Oh, why, why'd you name him that? Oh, because we saw Black Panther, and he's the Black Panther. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> Never report Great on your story. dreams, kids. <laughs> But yeah, so Lou Bob, the most divisive nickname in the history of baseball, apparently, so much so that people feel the need to mute it on Twitter. Uh, he's hitting 333. He's got an on base of 412. He's slugging 733. So that's an OPS of 1.145. He's got only one home run and one RBI. So psh, where's the run production, James? I thought this guy was supposed to be a middle of the order bat. I don't see it. He's got two stolen bases, but he's also struck out 23.5% of the time while walking nearly 12% of the time. So we're getting a good look at what he was in the minors last year, that same kind of hitter. You know, I was just kind of like foreseeing a future where, um, you know, podcasters, baseball podcasters are put in the Hall of Fame, but they wait until you're dead because all your peers are mad at you because you lose Lubob your entire like lifetime. But otherwise, they would have put you Are in. Are you saying that I'm a Hall of Fame podcaster? Thank you, James. Yeah. But you're like the Pete Rose Hall of Fame podcaster. <laughs> They're going to make it posthumous despite you. I gamble, I gamble on my own the podcast, ability. though. They acknowledge the talent and ability, but they uh, they don't like you. That's fine. I, I'm so talented and good that I don't need people to like me. Bad case. Um, yeah, I, I think you've seen all the... All the tools. I mean, he's a he's a tool shed, and he's a guy who you're expecting kind of his raw talent to overcome the fact that he kind of likes swinging at every single thing, and the fact that that's coming to fruition so far, and that I don't know he's he's taken a, a clearly sustainable sample of above average walk rate that will uh, continue itself proves that both he will do that in perpetuity, and that Frank Menachino will be uh, joining you in the Hall of Fame after you're both posthumously <laughs> inducted. <laughs> 50 years from now for installing patience and Robert, who had none last year, to be clear, uh, watching him dominate in AAA by hacking on everything. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think everyone should be encouraged. And it seems like his base stealing, uh, that also seems like it's based off actually good jumps and instincts a little bit and not just I'm extremely fast and running on single A catchers all the time. Yeah, although that does help a little bit. Yeah, and maybe that's still happening a little bit in spring training. 
Yeah, like I, I he had that stolen base on Tuesday. Like he let off the game on a first pitch single, and then he stole second base. And I felt that was more on the pitcher catcher combination and him just being super fast and him doing anything spectacular with it. But oh, I don't care. Like- yeah, I, I don't. I don't care if he's stealing bases based on his own skill or just because the other the pitcher and the catcher suck. If he's stealing bases and he's safe, cool. The result's fine with me. Uh, I well, call him Lou Bob. The thing Some I noticed de- is that like Tim Anderson will steal like ten bases in like the first three weeks of the season, and then all of a sudden like the rest of the season it's very here and there, and like defenses clamp up on them. So I wonder if Robert would be a similar level of sensation. <laughs> Maybe Tim's just tired. <laughs> well, I I know for sure that Tim like toned it down. He had the ankle injury last year. Like that yeah, was very intentional. That kind of it's it's been a trend for his career as well to kind of start out as a house of fire, and then every team is like keen on him, and then he gets very choosy. So here's your fantasy baseball corner. If you're in a roto league, draft Tim Anderson for stolen bases, and then trade him after April. Especially if you're in a roto league with like you know. Rickon, because he's he's like claimed he you know locked up Tim Anderson extremely early into his career. Uh, so going back to Lou Bob here, his nicknames I call him Lou Bob. His teammates call him Pantera, but one of his teammates has a whole totally different nickname for him, and that's Aloy Jimenez, whose nickname for Luis is the next Mike Trout. Now, yeah, Aloy's uh he's got really fun one-liners. They're kind of uh, often another reality, but it's a lot of fun. So are you saying here and now that Luis Robert will not be the next Mike Trout? I mean, I would probably say no one will be the next Mike Trout until someone conclusively proves they're the next Mike Trout. I didn't think Mike Trout, even when he was like a number one prospect in the world and people were talking about him being more valuable than other like all-star level players before he'd even debuted, was going to be like this, like the greatest player of his generation, like for sure. So like the, the adjustments, the improvements Mike Trout has made even over his prospect profile uh, to become what he is are kind of insane. And I think projecting someone else to be that good is basically impossible. I just like the idea that I've seen people respond to Eloy doing that by saying that, well, that's not fair to Luis Robert to put that kind of pressure on his shoulders. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, because <laughs> he was feeling free and easy, but then Eloy called him the next Mike Trout. And now he's like, oh no, I have so much pressure to live up to. Uh, instead of comparing him to Mike Trout, though, which I agree, I don't think he will be the next Mike Trout. I think he'll be three times as good. But let's compare Lou Bob to recent top Sox prospects like the guy who's calling him the next Mike Trout. I think that it's safe to say that as powerful as a hitter and a presence that Aloy is, Luis probably has a much higher ceiling as an all-around baseball player as than Aloy. I think that we would say that he's going to be better than Nick Madrigal. At least I know I would. James probably thinks Nick Madrigal will be better. But I think I would like to compare him as far as his impact to Yohan Moncada, who I know we no longer think of as a prospect because he's been up for a few years now, but he was the last, you know, five toolish player that was atop the White Sox prospect rankings and was atop the top 100 rankings who they got in the Chris Sale trade. And last year kind of broke through and showed all of those tools and what he can be. Now, do you think Luis Robert is a better player with a higher ceiling than Moncada going forward? I mean, he has a higher ceiling. I don't know if he'll be a better player. Is, is that, mm-hmm. Are you asking me to like make a prediction or are you asking me to like say what he is right now? Because like obviously I'm asking the center you to compare defense, them more than anything. 
the center field defense, the base running, I think are both the speed in general are, are, are probably more than Mankata. And it seems like there might be early indications that maybe the in-game power is going to be a bit more than Mankata can do because Yohan has uh, been a lot very doubles heavy and a lot more 2025 homer kind of range than 30. And I think Robert probably leans more towards 30 plus, but uh, it, it all comes down to how much the kind of hit tool plays because Mankato is someone with an extraordinary amount of swing and miss who winded up hitting 315 last year. And I don't know if necessarily the, the, you know, elite exit velocity and the ability to barrel up, um, even around all the strikeouts will be sustainable for him. And I really don't know what it looks like for Robert, but if Robert is like somebody who hits 250 and hits a ton of bombs, then maybe that lowers the ceiling a bit more than Mankata. If that Mankata is consistently the guy from last season. But I, I think Robert probably has the highest ceiling of anyone in the organization, um, basically just on his defensive home at this point. Well, you mentioned Yon's in-game power. He did hit 25 home runs last season. And I do think that oh, the you know, if, yeah, but I also think that if he plays, if he if he stopped dealing with all those little injuries, I think that he's a guy that get, could get to thirty. Because even if he only had the will, that ever runs, happen? He, I don't know. That's that's the big question. But everybody was playing with that ball last year, and Yon still finished ninety seventh percentile in the league in exit velocity and ninety second percentile in hard hit percentage. So if if Luis Robert has a better, you know, a more in game power than that, that that'd probably be a really really good thing if you put Moncada, Lubob, and Aloy in the middle of that order. that That's probably a lot of dingers for years to come. Yeah, probably. And it'll be in the middle because none of them are apparently going to be hitting leadoff because that's that's Tim's job. Yeah. That's... <laughs> hey, you know, if, if Chris Bryant can do it, Tim can do it. Uh, you know what we're going to do now, James? Uh, we're going to talk about the other 97th percentile guy on the team. And that's Adalberto Mejia's fastball spin. Is it really? Uh, it was last year, and um, I was sitting next to the TrackMan guy when he was pitching the other day, and he was like 2,500 uh, RPM fastballs, which is really good. And that's, then uh, yeah, I, wow. I, I looked it up, and yeah, apparently that's what he does all the time. So yeah, he should make the team. So is he our new ace? Is that what you're saying right here, right now, on March Hit the bricks, today, Lucas. the 4th? Yeah. <laughs> Trade Geo, extend Mejia before, before he gets too expensive. Now, we're, we're going to play good take, bad take, which we haven't done in a very long time because, you know, the season ended and there hasn't been a whole ton to do. And but there certainly hasn't been a whole ton to do in the two days since our last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this I want, first of all, before we start, this was all James's idea. James, I yeah, want to thank you. Take for, me, baby. For, I want to thank you for participating in the preparation for a podcast episode. It's it's not something you're used to doing. Not only did you have the idea of doing it, but you came up with a lot of the takes we're going to be debating right now. So yeah, I'm was, sure you're I was, tired. I was firing. Yeah, I, I know I you're tired. Fluids and I appreciate you staying up. <laughs> we're going to start with one who I think is a good reactionary, seeing as how he started on Tuesday in his first time this spring, and you know was not was not great. He lasted three innings, allowed three hits, had three strikeouts, three walks, and threw two wild pitches. We're talking Reynaldo Lopez. So James. Good take, bad take. Ronaldo Lopez will be out of the starting rotation by the end of the season. Hmm. Hmm. I will say bad take because I don't think they'll get to a health standpoint where they can necessarily junk him entirely. I would not be surprised if he's 
out of the picture by the and going to the offseason or they go in the offseason the idea of like we're not going to guarantee a slot to him anymore but i might be overreacting to him just talking about like improving his command and focus and then going out in his first spring outing and looking like the same old guy it's still a spring outing it can still be meaningless and let's not forget lucas giulio's nine thousand era last spring training yeah i i mean I'll overreact to Nick Madrigal's small sample size in the spring, but I'm, I'm not going to overreact to a pitcher's first three innings because it's, it's Arizona. It's different. It's just, you know, pitching. Dallas Keuchel, is, on the other hand, is going to have a 90% ground ball rate all year. <laughs> I, I, looked, I didn't really see Keuchel pitch. I looked up the box score, and I was just like, okay, so there's like, some hits, one strikeout, <laughs> and no runs. All right, cool, whatever. But I think I'm with you in that. Well, here, let me pre- if if he's out of the rotation, do you think that it is because of performance, his own, or just you know somebody else has kind of earned his way? Like Carlos Rodon comes back, and while Ronaldo is pitching well, he's had the worst you know performance of the regular starters, and they're moving and they're replacing him with Rodon. I think it'd probably be more like he's a bit below average, and they've gotten to the point where they can push that kind of guy out of the rotation. Whereas like. You know, the last, shoot, the last five years, if you could just stay healthy and be a little bit below average, you probably have a spot in the Sox rotation. And I think that just gradually stops being true. I, I'm going to agree with you that it's a bad take simply just because I feel like attrition is going to hit because attrition hits every single pitching staff. And they have more depth this year, but I don't think they've, you know, it's it's going to be a situation where they have so much depth that they can withstand injuries and remove Lopez from the starting rotation because they still feel good about what they have. Okay, so next take. Alex Colome will lose the closer job in 2020 and not due to an injury or a trade. Do I have to go first? I'm Good take, bad take. I think it's a very intriguing take. Um... That is not, it is not called good take, intriguing take, bad take. (laughs) I'm going to say good take, but... Like, I could definitely see him falling off, especially with the peripherals that he had last year. I don't think the Sox or Renneria are a organization that would be quick to kind of jerk him around or abandon it at first. Um, like, quickly, like, give up on him in any way. Mm-hmm. But I think they could have guys outperform him this year. I, I, I think Bummer will do that again. And I think... You know, Cisha could have a good year or they could have one of the rookies come up and like throw gas or Kelvin Herrera could even be good. And I so I think they could have like viable options if he is struggling. And also, I think they're they're in a position where they are probably going to be moving on from at the end of the season. So I don't I don't think that would necessarily be like Han going down to Ricky's office and saying like, look, it'd probably be best if Alex Colome is like not someone we need at the end of the year or like move him out of the role so we can justify releasing him or anything like that. I don't think that would happen, but I think that would be less tied to, we have to make this work. We have to get him right. Um, just because he's not like in the long term picture. So I'm going to say good take, but I, I'm not like particularly all the way bearish on column eight just because like his fifth was bad or he didn't strike people out. I, I have a, I have, I have a little bit of faith that he knows what he's doing, but eh, he's older. He's, you know, a big guy. He's got a lot of miles on his arm. Uh, he, he wasn't uh, lights out as far as like his batted prof- prof- batted profile last year. <laughs> so I could see it happening. So I'll say good. Take. I'm going to say it's a bad take. 
No. I think that the only I, I think the only way he loses it is if they are in contention and they make a trade in July for like, you know, a premier proven shutdown closer that teams are always looking for for some reason. In July, I just think that, walking through that door. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, he I, I do have the same concerns you do as his FIP was at four point oh eight last year. And it's not like he's been a pitcher throughout his career that has, you know, overperformed the FIP. His FIP for the career is three five seven and his ERA is three point oh seven. So he's overperformed it, but not like by as wide of a margin as he did last year. We had the four point oh eight FIP with the two point eight oh ERA. And if you look, his strikeout rates last year were pretty much in line with his career numbers. Although they had dipped a little bit from 2018, it's his walk numbers that went up. But I just don't see a situation where there's somebody else right now, I think, that's in the bullpen that's ready to claim the role. Because I know Aaron Bummer just got that extension, which, I mean, I feel like that could have been a good take, bad take on its own. But let's do I it. Don't think, let's do it, Shay. All right, cool. Once, But I, I would just say that Aaron Bummer's, I think that they signed him to be the, you know, not... Uh, their version of Josh Hader, their their guy that they can use in a whole number of different situations like they feel are important that could face multiple batters, and they don't want to limit him to the ninth inning. So I think that that takes Bummer out of the equation. So when I look at the rest of the bullpen, it's like, well, I don't know who the obvious guy would be to take Colomay's job away if he struggles. So I'm going to say bad take. The only way he loses his job is if they make a trade or if he gets injured and he's forced to lose his job. But okay, let's real quickly, good take, bad take. The White Sox shouldn't have given Aaron Bummer a long-term extension based off of one season of performance in the bullpen. Uh, I would note that Josh Hader saved 37 games last year. But, um, yeah, but I would say good take in the sense that I don't think it's um, – I, I, I didn't see a necessity to do it. And I don't see like a big ceiling for like actual benefit to do it. Um, like it, it's all kind of like soft features. It's, well, now you don't have this thing back and forth with Bummer about his arbitration and whether he gets closer opportunities and the, it kind of seals off any rift uh, as far as that. And it also allows you to kind of have him float around in that kind of nebulous bullpen fireman role without necessarily him getting pissed about like, well, I'm not getting, I'm not going to get paid even though I'm the best reliever on the team. You're kind of suppressing my arbitration figures. So it, it's, it kind of, um, it kind of gets around that, but I, it's it's the reliever with a extensive injury history who already had five years of control. So there wasn't really any kind of huge like benefit to add other than kind of ease of day to day operations to give him this extension. But also, you know, it's it's sixteen million guaranteed, and he's probably going to be pretty good. Um, so it's not like a huge waste of money or like something that's hamstringing them to to make this commitment to him. It's kind of like. Like how upset are you really going to get about the Nate Jones like contract not working out? Well, this is basically you know that's that's the that's the extreme low end uh, of what could happen here. Um, so I, I don't think the Nate Jones contract, you know, international bonus trade aside, uh, to get rid of it, it really was something that like made the White Sox rebuild or something. I think it's a good take just because I don't care. The money's nothing. I, it's if that that's not a contract that is going to you know hamstring them and if it does my god but i i just fundamentally opposed to giving relievers long-term deals especially when you've already got them under control like you said for another five years so i don't know what you really gain by doing that because let's say bummer keeps overperforming but the team isn't in a situation where it's ready to compete and they're like okay well let's sell high on him and get something in return He's already under control, so the that the extension really doesn't give him more value as as much as he would get in the trade market as it is. Right. And 
even if he pitches well throughout the five years, I don't think you're going to be signing him as a free agent in five years anyway, unless he's like Mariano Rivera or just like the best reliever in the game. Because again, relievers are just so volatile. So I'm just opposed to it in general, even though I'm not like angry about it or anything. But here's uh, here's another guess for you, or question for you, James. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, oh, what would God. you say? <laughs> a week, maybe? Actually, James, on average. People have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. That's five and a half times longer than James Franco was pinned by that boulder before he cut off his arm. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com forward slash White Sox for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com forward slash White Sox, all one word, for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. James, are you okay? Did you add the James Franco bit into there? I did. It's called uh it's it's called improv. Oh, yes and. Yeah. Do you remember that movie? Uh where, what? Where he, he he played that guy that got like pinned in the Oh yeah, that movie, yes. To... I thought you said meant the movie about improv with like what was it, Keith no. Michael Keaton? <laughs> you know, the improv movie, that one. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying if if he cut off his arm, can you imagine what he would do if he couldn't get an erection? They for, got you know, fairly like down. Days? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he uh, cut off more than his arm, Tom. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna play a new game here, James. It's called What's Nick Madrigal Slugging? I thought it was a good take, bad take. Yeah, no, but I just wanted to get that in there. He's slugging 211, James, because on Tuesday, he went one for three with an RBI single to bust that slugging percentage over 200. And in another victory for Nicky Boy, Kylie McDaniel from ESPN.com's Top 100 came out. Guess who's number 47? I think it's Nick Madrigal. You're damn straight it is, because Nick's back in the top 50, so take that, Keith Law. But continuing good take, bad take, good take, bad take, Nick Madrigal will be an above-average MLB hitter in 2020. I thought I the version I texted you was that he'd be a below-average hitter. It is. I changed it up because I'm being more optimistic. Okay, I'm going to say bad take. Ooh, James think. is selling it. Oh, wow. Well, James is talking, out on Nicky Magic. <laughs> we're talking about his first rookie year and whatever readjustment that happens. And whether, like, what is what is his ceiling going to be with a low slug? Is it going to be like a 110 WRC plus guy, but really consistent with a lot of OBP? So that's his use. And I'm going to bet on the low end when he first debuts and thinks it's probably going to be more in the 90s range, WRC plus. And Assuming he's going to be slugging like you know somewhere between three fifty and three seventy, and maybe the average is not super high to start out, and uh, you know I'm just I'm just getting some rookie uh, adjustment level, and also the fact that like the ceiling for what his offense output will be will probably be a bit lower 
um, because of the lack of slug. I think he can, he can be consistently hitting high, for high average, hitting on base, but I don't necessarily think they'll be necessarily right away to overwhelm the lack of slug. I'm with you. I think it's a bad take, and I don't think we need to go any further on it than that. I think my my concerns have been expressed, and now that he's got his plate, his plate, you know, his sample size has increased from 16 plate appearances to 19, and he's slashing 211, 211, 211. But he is clutch because he's got three RBIs, so four hits, three RBIs. So I mean, he comes through when it matters, baby. Uh another thing I think we should discuss is that Nick needs a nickname. I've been Saint calling him Saint Nicholas. <laughs> There's Nicky Magical. There's Little Nicky. I'm sure somebody's come up with. You called him the Magic Man in a text, but my I liked mine that I responded to you with, and you didn't give me any response. And oh, by the way, James is like totally flexing on people now because he had something go wrong with his phone, and he had to. I think you had to reboot it or whatever. No. What are you talking about? Didn't you have a problem with your phone the other day? We were talking. Anyways, James now has the red receipts on his texts, which oh, he didn't right. have bef- before he had this problem. And he knows that he has the red receipts on the text because I, I mentioned it to him. And he's like, yeah, I don't care. So now when you text James, you will see that he has read your text, even though he's what? not responding yeah. for like another three hours. <laughs> yeah, I think how my mom felt today. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, that I, I, I don't know whether I respect it or I hate it. <laughs> It feels like you're flexing that's, on me every time I text you. Like, that's yeah, you I know, know you. That's when you know that you're you're balling. That people can't tell if they just they they, they hate you, but they respect that you too much, me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, my nickname for him is the Little Illusionist. <laughs> I think I think that's gonna stick. Like little with the, the L I L apostrophe because. Can, yeah, how, can it roll off the tongue? The little illusionist, little the illusionist, little illusionist, because <laughs> he's magic and he's tiny. All right, uh, here's our next good take, bad take. The White Sox will be in the market for a new right fielder next winter. Why did I ask a good take, bad take question that I didn't have a firm opinion on yet? I don't know. Um, good take. So you're not a believer in Nomar. Um, not a believer in Romar to like radically transform himself. And I think a year's time, both with only having a year of control left and what they have in other parts of the, the diamond, that right field would probably be the primary market for them to upgrade and hit George Springer. Um, obviously they would probably still have pitching needs that will emerge in some way. They, they could definitely upgrade the bullpen, but it seems like with Grandal locked up long-term, Jose Abreu with 17 years left on his contract. Your infield pretty much set, and Robert and Eloy. If you're going to like, we need to upgrade the offense somehow. What and you have Andrew Vaughn coming up for the DH slot pretty soon. What what would you do other than get another right fielder? Like what what else way would you upgrade your offense? Like bring back Emilio Bonifacio so you have a proven utility man again. Like I, I don't oh, see yeah. another route. So I, I would think that yeah, they'd probably at next point. We'll be looking like, well, if we want to upgrade, where could we upgrade? And I think right field will probably still be the the, the most obvious place. So, yes, good take. I'm going to go with good take as well, simply because, I mean, after they win the World Series, you know, they're going to look around at their weaknesses and say, man, we won a World Series, but we could be better. And they're yeah, two just weaknesses. Just like 05 be... when they traded for Tommy yeah. and bring exactly. Tommy back and have him play right field. 
their two weaknesses will be right field because Nomar will not be, you know, up to the standard that everybody else has set. And second base, but since Nicky's a top, you know, first round pick, top prospect, they're not going to look to upgrade on him, but they will look to upgrade on Mazar. So I, I agree with you. We are in agreement. That is a good take. Next take. Zach Collins will be traded this year. Mm, I would say bad take. Why? I think I don't think the the value gets like insane. It, it certainly could happen, but I also think like they think he's going to be part of their catching rotation next season because I don't think they feel like they'll bring. I, I think McCann is a going to be looking for a starting opportunity after next this season. So I, I think at that point, then Collins has a probably consistent role, even if it's still kind of the small thing that James McCann was just dissatisfied with. Yeah, I, we're we're agreeing too much. I think that's a bad take as well. Sim- not because of Collins or because of McCann. I just I don't know who's trading for him. Like who's out there clamoring to get Zach Collins unless he's absolutely tearing it up in AAA this year, and he might be. He and might. There's some team that thinks they could get you know that could be the team that teaches him how to be a, a regular full-time catcher. I or just, just has I, a need for a bat. Yeah, but I just don't know if the market for him will be strong enough that the White Sox are going to feel like moving on from him. From you Because, know, I mean, he was a first-round pick, and I know at some point you know, you've got to accept a sunk cost if it's a sunk cost, but that's a lot easier said than done, and we've seen that over and over again. And not just here with the White Sox, but with organizations across all sorts of sports. They get invested in a guy, and then they have a really hard time moving on, even when it, most signs show that it's not going to work. I'm trying to think of the last White Sox first-round pick who's not still in the organization. Because I think it exactly. goes as far back to Rodon in 2014. Or maybe Tim in 2013. I mean, well, yeah, no, Tim was Rick's first first round pick and i'm pretty sure all of rick's first round picks are still in the organization yeah like i think courtney hawkins is the last one that isn't in right yeah so there you go you you like your guys man what can i say i mean that's the thing it's like even if you're not ready to even if you're done believing there's a part of you just as a human being where it's like if i get rid of this guy i'm admitting I, i failed and it's hard for people to do that not me I fail all the time. And uh, you final this podcast. good. I I have failed you, James. <laughs> In our final good take, bad take, the White Sox won the Chris Sale trade. Now, some background for those who haven't paid super close attention. Chris Sale's having elbow issues. He went and saw Doctor James Andrews, which is never the doctor you want to hear your pitcher's going to go see. Although that was most likely because you know he had when he was dealing with issues last year. He saw Doctor James Andrews last year, so he's familiar. But now. After getting an opinion from James Andrews, he's going to Dr. I can't remember his first name, but his last name's like Della Trache, who is another Elatrache, yeah. There we go. Another doctor that you never really want to see one of your aces having to go see, because that usually means that Tommy John is on the horizon and maybe it'll be official by the time this comes out. But it's starting to look like Chris Sale's going to Tommy John surgery. So the White Sox won the Chris Sale trade. Good take, bad take. Horrendous take? <laughs> Heard this. Why is uh, that? Chris Sale's uh, elbow is hurt because the, the weight was thrown off and his exercises from the fucking World Series ring that's on it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's a bad take. I think that I think we're looking at a situation where that y- you hope for in that it's looking like maybe 
both teams will have won that trade. In that. Yeah, I mean, Yon Moncada was worth, was nearly a six war player last year, and while Kopech's coming back from Tommy John himself, he seems to be trending in the right direction, where he's going to be a useful big league pitcher, whether that's like a top of the rotation guy, a mid rotation guy, or maybe even a back of the bullpen guy. So, you know, I think I think this is a situation where both teams want to trade, which is good. This is my reminder to check with Han on the status of Victor Diaz. Yeah, what is Victor Diaz up to? Uh, I don't think he's pitched in a game since 2017. He's a large man that threw hard. Uh, <laughs> I Alec Hansen once like mistakenly insulted Victor Diaz on the record to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's just saying like velocity's not everything. I mean, if you can't command it, you know, Victor Diaz throws 99 and he gets hit around. <laughs> That's like. Why did you bring up your teammate unprompted? And yeah, especially when he could have just used himself as an example. That <laughs> was when that was when things are going good for for old Alec. Uh, all right, well, uh, time for shout outs. I'll go first this time. My shout out is to American Samoa for <laughs> being the one state or territory on Tuesday night and Super Tuesday to you know vote for Mike Bloomberg. So. I guess you can buy it. You can buy the presidency at American Samoa. James, who is your shout out to? Are you upset that American Samoa did not go for you? Yeah, I was kind of hoping. I, I did tweet on Tuesday night. You know, I I just want one delegate. I'm not asking you for the whole state to vote for me, your whole territory, but just just give me 15. percent So, like when they show those graphics on all those networks or in the newspapers, you just see on the bottom, Tom Fernelli won. Yeah. Is that too much to ask for? Forever, like some guy like with your name around like his neck would have to go to the Democratic convention and stand I up would and be do counted. <laughs> I will represent American Samoa at the convention. We are glad to nominate me. I think it'd be funny to like pay someone to do it or make Greenberg go do it or something. No, that's what Bloomberg did. <laughs> <laughs> James, who's your shout out to? Uh, my shout out is to injusticewatch.org because I'm currently filling it out to try to figure out what judges I should actually vote for because I've never heard of any of these people. They're like, they're like White Sox rookie ball players to me. I got like a, I don't know if you got the same one because we do live in relatively same neighborhood-ish. I got like a flyer in the mail the other day that was like telling me all the, all the people I have to vote for. And I'm like, oh, does this work? Like, I, uh, oh, okay. I'll definitely vote for all these people because you printed their names on this thing. I uh, I check my mail like once a week, maybe a bit more frequently when I think my a check is coming. <laughs> are you ma- are you voting by mail? Uh, no, I was about to go uh, early vote. Oh, you're going right to vote early. Do this because I gotta I gotta leave. Well, you could have just voted by mail. I feel like it's easier to just go to the freaking library right now when I'm sitting here not doing anything all day. Yeah, but a lot can change between now and St. Patrick's Day, as a lot of early voters in other states on Tuesday realized when they voted for people who were no longer running by the time their election came along. I'm not as specifically worried about that, but yeah, that's a good point. But also, there's still a delay when you like vote by mail. You're not worried, but James, Bloomberg dropped out earlier today. <laughs> that's a good point. No, I'd have to reassess some things. Look in the mirror. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Democratic Primary Business. (laughs) No. White Sox business. Appellate Uh, court election business. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. So where, where's that link I'm looking for? Here, la la la. I was gonna read. Here we go. Make sure if you want, you can save forty percent off of your athletic subscription by going to theathletic.com slash southside. That's all one word. Theathletic.com slash southside, which is where Tim Anderson lives and chooses to live there in Chicago year round, all throughout the winter. And if you want to find out why, go to theathletic.com slash southside. Get yourself a subscription and read James's article on Tim and his decision to stay in Chicago year round. Please do it. My White string Sox numbers have been we'll so be bad. They're so bad. James is just, he's a failure. Who's my little Jimmy I'm embarrassed. Bob. I'm ashamed, honestly, of you, James. <laughs> I mean, you are the Nick Madrigal of the numbers. So, yeah, yeah, make sure you go read it, then read it again, read it one more time, and then just, you know, go click on all of James' articles. You don't have to read them. Just scroll through to the bottom and then rate that they're excellent and make James happy and feel good about himself when he's on his flight to Arizona to cover your Chicago White Sox for the next few weeks to, you know, be, like, foot on the ground, pound in the pavement. Multiple feet. Track, track in the dirt. Getting the scoops. Eating the media meal. <laughs> Eating the media meal. Patting Nick Madrigal on the top of the head. James will be there doing it all for you. And you can Put follow the along. ranch on the salad. <laughs> Are you going to get a ram again this time, you think? Uh, I don't think so. I have to check what it is. I think when you show up to the car rental, if they don't give you a ram, you should demand it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm a ram man. I'm a ramming man. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, for me, Tom Fernelli, and for the ramen man, James Fegan, thanks for listening to White Sox Toyota Corolla or similar. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week.